Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. Well, as we continue in our uh, year with Jesus, focusing solely, exclusively on the teaching, the practices, the life of Jesus, we're in a conversation right now as we prepare for Easter about what Jesus says about salvation. And in kind of classic Jesus form, Jesus doesn't give the who, what, when, where, and why of salvation. Instead, Jesus gives these kind of images or, or metaphors for salvation. And um, I want us to engage with this and learn what Jesus says uh, because, again, a lot of us just feel insecure about our salvation. We have anxiety about whether we believe correctly, if we believe uh, enough, if we're doing the right things, if we're checking the boxes. And I really believe that if we can learn what Jesus says, and if we can take it really seriously, then we'll be able to lower our shoulders a little bit, take a deep breath, and rest. No more, no more anxiety, no more insecurity. That because of who Jesus is and what he teaches us, we will experience that divine safety. And so first we talked about salvation as rebirth, that Jesus says we need to be born again. And I really believe that this is like step one of our salvation, that we're willing to accept and admit that we don't have it all figured out, that we don't have all the answers, and then to live in that identity, that we don't have to have all the answers, that we don't need to be an expert. And then we actually live at the starting line, starting over again and again, being reborn over and over and over again. And then uh, last week we talked about salvation as present healing. And this is so important that I'm going to give you a pretty good recap of last week, even if you already heard it. I just want you to hear it again. That when Jesus uses the word saved in the New Testament, in the Gospels, like when he says, if you want to save your life, uh, you have to lose it. Or, or Jesus says about himself, I have come to seek and save the lost. The, the Greek word there is the word sozo, S-O-Z-O, sozo. And sozo is a word that means to be brought into divine safety and then to experience healing or wholeness. Brought into divine safety and then restored to wholeness. So the salvation that Jesus offers us has nothing to do with wrath or punishment. Even though for most of us, we've thought of salvation as just a pathway to avoiding wrath and punishment. The salvation that Jesus offers is about safety. It's about comfort, wholeness, and restoration now in the present tense, right? Jesus isn't saying, I'm offering safety later. I'm offering restoration later. Jesus is offering us present wholeness right now. And this is what God, the creator of the universe, ultimate reality, love itself wants for you to be safe, and whole. That's what God wants for you, to be safe and whole. And that is good news. That is actually good news. And so we've talked about salvation as rebirth and salvation as present healing. Clearly, I'm excited about those ideas. And today we're going to talk about salvation as liberation, freedom, and uh, if you're reading the New Testament, especially Paul's letters, you'll hear a lot about freedom. But what you also get um, is Jesus being called Jesus Christ over and over and over again. It's almost 
uh, easy to forget that Christ isn't Jesus's last name. And it's okay if you thought that Christ might be Jesus's last name. And we're going to, later on in the year, we're going to spend a lot of time on what it means that Jesus was the Christ. But the Christ isn't a name, it's a title given to Jesus that means Messiah. And God's people, the Jews, were anxiously awaiting, watching for their Messiah, for the Christ. Right? The, the first followers of Jesus, they knew the Old Testament, and they were waiting for this Messiah, for the Christ to show up, and to Primarily what they were waiting for was for the Christ to free them from oppression and then set up a new kingdom, like real bodily, physical oppression, free them from it, and then set up like a real earthly kingdom. And so um, when they give Jesus this title, when they call Jesus the Christ, it means freedom. They're calling Jesus, Jesus the liberator. Jesus is given this title because the people around him, his first followers, see that he is offering, bringing about, leading a revolution of freedom. Jesus is walking liberation. And this freedom is holistic. It's fully integrated. It's comprehensive. It's physical and it's intellectual and it's spiritual. And what all that means is that God intends for your whole self to be totally free. God intends for your whole self to be totally free. And today we're going to get into some complicated, maybe complicated, uh, kind of theological concepts. We're going to use, we're going to talk a lot about the Bible. We're going to really get into the Bible. Um, but what I want you to leave with, kind of your mantra, your practice, your prayer for the week, we're going to talk about all these concepts, and I like them, but if that feels like a lot for your brain to fit in your brain, I understand. So this is what, what I want you to walk away with. All of me fully free. That's what I want you to pray this week. That's what I want to pop in your brain when you are walking through the day wondering how you are supposed to operate, how your salvation is supposed to be played out. Maybe you're not walking around wondering that. But if you're contemplating how to participate with God, think to yourself, all of me fully free. All of me fully free. God wants you, God wants everyone to be free. And it is, it does include spiritual freedom. And we're going to talk about that, but we can't talk about that spiritual freedom without acknowledging the real bodily here and now freedom that God desires for us. Like, like real freedom. It's what Jesus says in Luke chapter four. Jesus shows up in a synagogue on the Sabbath to do a reading. And Jesus was a rabbi. So this wasn't out of, uh, out of kind of common practice for the day. But Jesus goes into this synagogue and he does the reading and he chooses from Isaiah 61. And Jesus reads, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus rolls up the scroll and he looks at all those gathered and Jesus says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And Jesus is saying that the spirit of the Lord is on me. I'm the one who's going to do the freeing. 
that the captives, the prisoners, the oppressed will be free because of me. And Jesus isn't talking about a metaphorical prisoner. This isn't the spiritually oppressed, though I believe Jesus offers freedom from them. What Jesus is saying here, when he reads from Isaiah 61, is that there is here and now liberation from political, social, economic, and religious subjugation of all kinds. That when people are bodily bound, that Jesus wants to free them. Jesus is reminding us that no one, no one, regardless of their actions or the society they live in, no one is made to live bound, to live imprisoned. No one in any circumstance is meant to live inside of oppressive systems or relationships. And that does include, as of this morning, there were 9,727 inmates living down the street in the Harris County Jail. They weren't created to live imprisoned. It's important that we just remind ourselves that. That those who are incarcerated, there are 2 million people incarcerated in the United States. That not a single one of those image bearers was created by God to live bound. That is not their intended purpose. We were made for freedom. And what Jesus offers, what Jesus is saying, is that the, the real people who are actually oppressed physically, here and now, they are meant to be free. And so if you are being oppressed, harmed, bound up in any relationship, system, by anyone, that's not who you're made to be. You are made to experience full freedom in all of those who are bound today. Down the street in Harris County Jail, across the world in different types of slavery, subjugation, and oppression, they are made for freedom. But Jesus tells us that we are made to be bodily, physically free from oppression and subjugation. We just have, we have to know it. And it may seem like a starting point, like you already get that, but I'm going to say it out loud over and over and over again, that our freedom, the freedom of our salvation, the freedom that Jesus offers us, it has to include that physical freedom. But it is more than that. It's also living free of harmful religious systems. Jesus talks about this a lot. That we might be able to live free of a kind of religion that produces anxiety and shame and judgment. A lot of us have lived in those religious systems. And Jesus shows up in a period of time in what's called kind of Second Temple Judaism, where um, there is a huge resurgence in loving the law, the Torah. There, there's kind of an obsession for these first century Jews in obeying the Torah. The, the, the religious leaders, they're tired of the disobedience. They, they have these kind of theories about what uh, disobedience has led them into. And so they write new laws so they don't get too close to breaking the old laws. It's rules around rules around rules. It's system on top of system on top of system in order to get a few things just right. But like all religious systems, that are more concerned with institutional preservation than individual protection, those rules that they built around the rules that they built around the rules didn't offer help. They just offered a sort of ideological prison for God's people, and they missed the point. 
And Jesus, as the Christ, as a liberator, he's walking freedom. And what he does is he just keeps disregarding the rules. All right, the religious leaders create rules on top of rules on top of rules. And Jesus just keeps disregarding them. He's doing things like healing on the Sabbath or uh, going to pick grain on the Sabbath. And that's just one of those rules that he's not supposed to do, but he breaks it. Because Jesus decides that the person in front of him is more important than any ideology even and maybe especially than any religious ideology. And then Jesus gets asked by these religious leaders, well, what is the most important rule then? What's the most important law? It's kind of a trap. And Jesus says that all, all the law and prophets, all of those rules, all of those instructions, that all of them hang on, depend on loving God and loving your neighbor. This is freedom from any harmful religious system that says that God requires you to follow rules in order to be loved. That God requires you to not cook a certain amount or walk too far on certain days of the week. This is freedom from religious systems and leaders that want to stone a woman for committing adultery. This is freedom from systems that put institutional preservation in front of individual protection. Jesus, the liberator, says that those laws only work, they only matter if you're loving your neighbor and loving God. That's the point. It's love. It's freedom from those systems. And so there's freedom from actual bodily, physical harm and subjugation and oppression. There's freedom from these oppressive and manipulative uh, religious systems. And then Jesus does talk about being freed from sin. The salvation that Jesus offers is about freeing us from sin. So let's talk about sin a little bit. Or Jesus says in John 8, he's having this conversation about uh, setting people free. And he says, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And Jesus says, if I set you free from your sin, you will be free. Remember, most of us associate sin with um, personal misdeeds and kind of individual moral unworthiness. Right? So just mistakes. That, that's mostly how we would say it. Moral mistakes. Ethical slip-ups is a sin. And I got told kind of two ideas about sin over and over again. Right? Sin is uh, missing the mark which is a biblical uh, image for sin. The sin's missing the mark, and anytime we miss the mark for what God wants for us, it separates us from God. But I don't think that's really the right way to talk about it, because I do not believe in any part of who I am that our mistakes lead God to separate from us. We don't get separated because of our misdeeds. And in fact, the story of the Bible is that God just continues over and over and over again to move closer and closer and closer until God shows up in the flesh. Our mistakes don't take God away from us. I think that we don't get separated because we sin. I think we sin because we perceive our separateness. We perceive or choose separateness. Right? In this framework, as Richard Rohr says, sin is believed or chosen autonomy 
from God or others. That we believe we're separate, and so it doesn't really matter. We choose to be separate. Right? The, the great illusion that we must overcome if we want to be freed from sin is the illusion of separateness. It's the work of Jesus as the great reconciler that, God, that Jesus, just who he is, says, I am union with God. And what Jesus offers us as the great reconciler is a model for union. So living free from sin then isn't about avoiding mistakes. It's, it's not about trying to live up to some purity standard. As we know, a devotion to purity often just leads us imprisoned. Le living free from sin means reconnecting in a life of interdependence with God and others. That's what it means to live free from sin, that we say, I'm not alone. My decisions impact other people. That I have a divine identity as an image bearer of God. And being freed from sin means being freed from the illusion of separateness. That's real freedom. To say, my life is connected. I, at my deepest core, am connected with God and with others. Live in union and be free. Listen, salvation is freedom. Freedom from bodily here and now subjugation, freedom from oppressive religious systems, free from the illusion of separateness that causes our sin. God intends your whole self to be fully free. Right? Our freedom, the freedom of salvation is comprehensive. It is fully integrated. It is holistic because God intends your whole self to be fully free. Someone asked me recently at a discussion, a meeting about membership at Gather. Um, they asked me what was life-giving to me about being the pastor here, which, by the way, is a very kind question. And there's a lot of beauty about leading uh, this congregation. It's a, a wonderful group of people. But for me, personally, I can sustain this sometimes difficult work because I am free to be. You, Gather, have let me change and process and grow. You've given me freedom. And so what I want you to know is that whoever you are today, if, if you consider yourself a member of our community, if you're you know, watching for the first time, if you're somewhere in between, here in this community, you are free to be. You are free to be confused. You are free to be angry. You are free to be doubting. You are free to be excited. You're free to be hopeful. You are free to be. Free to be wrong, free to be right, free to be your whole true self. This is our salvation, full freedom for our whole selves, full freedom for our whole selves. This is what God intends for us, that our whole self would find full freedom. And so for you, if salvation is freedom, are you living free? Do you feel free? Do you feel free? Or do you feel kind of bound up? 
And these three ideas, freedom from physical, bodily oppression, freedom from religious systems, freedom from sin, which of those stands out to you? Maybe the question is just, where do you need more freedom? And maybe there's a relationship or a system that you feel like is oppressing you. Maybe there's a religious system or a way of thinking that is causing you nonstop shame or anxiety. Maybe instead of um, internalizing that shame, you've pushed it outward and it's turned to judgment of others. Maybe that's what a religious system ideology has done for you. And then do you feel divinely connected with God and with others? Or do you have some work to do in overcoming an illusion of separateness? And then for you, how, how can you better show up as your true self? Right? This is what God wants for us. This is what God intends, that our whole self would be fully free. So for you, do you have a space where you are your true self? And I think maybe it should be a part of your spiritual practice to be yourself, your honest, whole, true self. Maybe instead of connecting salvation to um, having all the right answers, believing just right, maybe start equating your salvation with the ability to be free, to be your whole true self. Maybe that's how you should evaluate, you know, how saved am I? Am I really saved? Maybe the question shouldn't be, well, I, do I believe correctly? Maybe the question should be, how often am I hiding? How free am I? So then your spiritual practice then is just to stop hiding. To show up in some space, somewhere, as your true, whole self. Honest and open. Right, right? The, the mantra this week is all of me, fully free. Show up like that. Listen, I, I've told you this before, but um, one of my favorite stories is um, from early on at Gather. You know, K Katie and I uh, would have people over. We'd go to dinner, coffee, or whatever with folks to talk about the church. There's a lot of like, you know, cold text messages. Like, can I please take you to coffee to share about this church we're starting? And uh, we would sit with folks, and sometimes they would say things like, well, I don't know about committing to a church or I had this really bad church experience, or I've experienced a lot of pain at, at church or at the hands of church leaders. No, I'm just not sure about church right now. And Katie just kept over and over again saying to folks, uh, well, maybe you shouldn't go to church for a while. And at first it was like, uh, Catherine, babe, we are trying to recruit right now. We have like 11 people at our church, and we are at local foods pretending to know what we're doing. But she would shit say to folks, it's okay to take a break. Take a step back and see how you feel in six months. And after a few times, instead of thinking, she is not good at salesmanship, uh, I started realizing that she was freeing people. She definitely wasn't selling, but she was freeing. Freeing them from religious anxiety, reminding them that God is okay if you don't show up at church. Freeing them from their perceived ideas of separateness. That God's okay if you don't go to church because God doesn't just live inside of a sanctuary. She just kept freeing people over and over again. So gather today if you are participating and saying, you know what? All of me, 
fully free. And if you find or feel any sense of freedom today, it is time to start freeing somebody else. Tell somebody that they were never and have never and will never be separated from God. Tell somebody that they don't have to live with any religious anxiety or shame or judgment. Tell somebody that they were created for freedom. And if you feel or find any sense of freedom, you have got to free somebody else. Look somebody in the eye, even if it's yourself today, and say, you were made for freedom. Gather, this is our salvation, our whole self, fully free. And so gather, this is my prayer for us today. May the safety, security, and salvation of God give you the courage and freedom to be your whole, true self. This is your practice. Don't hide any part of who you are. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.